Welcome to the National Capital Bible Church, our Bible class on Wednesday night. Uh, it's a, a beautiful night, a little chilly. It's a wonderful night here inside the church as well. Hopefully, hopefully you're, uh, everything is working well with your uh, connection with us. We're uh, interested in Job. Job 22, it's going to be the beginning of the third phase, third round of, of speeches. And uh, tonight we'll have Eliphaz is his name. And it's, uh, it's an enjoyable chapter. All right, we have a little preparation to begin. The Lord is my light and my deliverance. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Let's take a few seconds. Um, spiritual preparation for us. Confession of sins. But also uh, praying that God the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. Not only... Uh, myself as I'm teaching, but also you as you're listening and uh, trying to understand some of the more difficult uh, parts uh, of the Bible, which really here is in uh, is here in the book of Job. So tonight we have uh, Job 22, so you can be turning to that. Also. Let's uh, close our uh, bow our heads and close our eyes, uh, and then I'll open us in prayer. Dearly Father, we're thankful for your provision of the Word of God. We're thankful for God the Holy Spirit's not only inspiring the Word of God, but preserving it for us. And because He is intimately involved in uh, the provision of the Word of God, He is also the one who assists us to understand what He has inspired and preserved. We pray tonight that we will continue to learn from the uh, the trials of of Job. We know that Job is uh, enduring uh, adversity, but he doesn't. He does not understand why. And of course, it is certainly not the place for his friends to uh, to tell him what his problems are. But that's what they are doing. And there are many lessons here for us to learn. Uh, tonight, we will be enjoying the, really, it's an attack, but it's a condemnation from Eliphaz on Job. We will not hear... Um, any comments from Job 
but we will certainly learn from the comments and the speech of Eliphaz. And so we ask for God the Holy Spirit to guide us as we uh, learn more about uh, the the principles, the biblical principles that are found here. Father, we also pray for those who may have the virus. Uh, we certainly pray for their recovery. Uh, we also pray for uh, some dear friends, uh, Tim and Kay Conway. We know that Tim is uh, on the verge, we believe, of passing from time to eternity. And we pray for tranquility uh, uh, in that family. We also, Father, pray for our nation. We pray for the recovery. We ask that you deliver us from the uh, slowing of our uh, our economy. We pray that it will be that it will resurge, and uh, we will be able to return to normal life, uh, which would include coming together as a church family. We pray for our leadership, particularly our president. Pray for his health, his safety. Uh, we pray, Father, for his wisdom. Pray that he'll have uh, many wise advisors and uh, through them, uh, our nation will be delivered. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Tonight, in Job, again, Job chapter 22. We finished chapter 21 last week. And this week, we will be uh, exclusively in chapter 22. Uh, let me move us over here to the book of Job, third round of speeches, Job 22 through 31. This is a little more, this is a lengthy uh, portion, but we see uh, Job will answer uh, Eliphaz and also Bildad, uh, and tonight we will see Eliphaz's third speech which is Job 22. So we have the third round of speeches, Job 22 through 31. And this is Eliphaz, Eliphaz's third speech, Job 22. Um, before we take, uh, we examine the four parts to this chapter, uh, chapter 22, uh, let's do just a little bit of reviewing uh, in cycle one, or we would say in the first round, uh, Job's friends, some would say they're visitors, they're visiting him, but in cycle one, Job's visitors imply that he was a sinner and appeal to him to repent. In the second round, they insinuated that he was guilty and stressed the terrible, uh, the terrible fate of the wicked. Um, but in doing so, they really didn't vote, 
voice any um, uh, requirement or challenge for repentance. Now, in the third um, round, verbal battle, we might say, uh, they are going to attack him by accusing him of specific sins. Previously, they uh, certainly uh, accused him of sinning, but now they're actually going to name sins. Uh, We will see that Eliphaz is going to, uh, once more, and we'll see that tonight, uh, will call for Job to return to uh, return to God. Uh, But what we'll see in this section, verses 22 through 31, we'll see Job is going to stand his ground in response during these, actually in all three rounds. Job denied the premise of their implications, which was that he was a sinner. All of this that is occurring in his life is because he is a sinner. Secondly, he uh, denies their assertion that it is the wicked who are uh, suffering. Therefore, it was Job. That's why Job was sinning. And he is also going to deny that he himself was a deliberate transgressor. So, uh, this is, it's, it really uh, is an intense exchange between his friends and Job. Now, this, uh, the third and final cycle of speeches begins with Eliphaz's final speech. So this is the last we'll see him in chapter 22. Eliphaz will here underscore the argument that man's ills are in fact brought about by sin. He will then deduce from Job's suffering the sins that he must have committed and the sinful and his, Job's, sinful attitude about God. Now, What we're going to see is that uh, Eliphaz is going to abruptly open his third round, his third speech, with uh, immediate criticism of of, uh, Job. Uh, It's going to be interesting because the initial attack comes through rhetorical questions. Uh, Eliphaz seems determined to bring Job, we might say, to a position where he will force him to repent. Now, so, our first section here is we're going to see God's interest, some would say his disinterest, but It's either way, we're going to see God's interest in mankind. And the inference is going to be about Job. And this is going to be verses 1 through 5. 
secondly, we're going to see uh, Eliphaz addressing Job's faults, his sins. And that is verses 6 through 11. Thirdly, we'll see Job's attitude towards God. In other words, this is going to be Eliphaz's um, expressing what he believes uh, to be Job's attitude towards God. And those are verses, that comes in verses 12 through 20. And then finally, D, the fourth section here that takes us to verse 30, verses 21 through 30, we'll see Eliphaz's appeal for Job's repentance. Now, one of the things that we're going to certainly view, we're going to, I think it's going to be evident to us that Eliphaz's, Eliphaz's remarks uh, reveal someone who is judgmental, who views himself as worth, worthy of being critical of others. And this is really our first principle. And our first principle here is that when we are judgmental, when we are critical of others, uh, it's a very dangerous position to place yourself. You are putting yourself in the place of God. None of us, unless you're a parent for children, of course, have divine authority to be judgmental or critical of others. And it's uh, an important lesson for us to learn. It's an important um, principle for us to apply. And it's something that is difficult for all of us to... um, to apply in our lives. All right. Let's read verses 1 through 5. Job 22, verses 1 through 5. And as I read this, we're going to find that this is, uh, this section, these verses are, are difficult. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, and here we start our rhetorical questions. Can a man be profitable, beneficial to God, even though he who is wise may be profitable to himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it gain to him that you make your ways blameless? Is it because of your fear of him that he corrects you and enters into judgment with you. Is not your wickedness great and your iniquity without end? Now, just reading through that part, uh, we're not going to, I, I don't think, we're not going to have 
an easy, we're not going to, it's not an easy section to understand. Verse 2 says, verse 1 is simply an introduced, an introduction of the speaker. But verse 2 says, can a man be profitable? Can a man be beneficial to God? Though he who is wise may be profitable to himself. Now, as I said, this is a difficult verse verse to translate in the Hebrew. I've worked on it a while. And then, even more troublesome to interpret, it is the first of many rhetorical questions, meaning the answers are supposed to be easily understood. Uh, Not necessarily so here. So the question is, can a man be beneficial to God even though a wise man is beneficial to himself. And the answer is in the negative. It's no, not necessary. Not not necessarily so. So Eliphaz is attacking Job's claim that he is righteous. And so here comes Eliphaz uh, picking up the the theme here of of Job saying he was righteous. And he's going to attack that assertion. Um, Eliphaz's rhetorical question that a human being cannot put God under any obligation that God must repay. That's his, that's what he's saying. Now, that's an, that's a valid principle that you can't put someone under, or can't put God under a, um, uh, under uh, a uh, something that has to be repaid. However, Eliphaz's application of that principle to Job's circumstances is invalid, for it was based on the faulty assumption that the righteous are always blessed and the wicked are always punished. So, uh, the first rhetorical question, uh, can a man be profitable uh, or beneficial to God uh, just because he's profitable to himself or because he's successful? And the sense is that the answer is no. Now, the negative response to verse 2 leads us to verse 3 where, again, we're faced with the same rhetorical question. And because verse 2 is uh, negative, uh, that's going to lead us to understand verse 3. It's negative also. So verse 3 says, Is any pleasure, any delight to the Almighty, this is God, of course, that you are righteous, meaning you, Job, is it any pleasure or any delight? Or is it gain, an advantage to him, to God, that you make your ways blameless? In other words, uh, is God therefore obligated to, uh, to man, to that individual? And while the answer to that rhetorical question might seem to be yes, the inference is no. As far as, because that's what Eliphaz 
That's the point Eliphaz is trying to make. As far as Eliphaz is concerned, even though Job claims, see, this is the difference here, uh, what Job claims versus what his three friends accuse Job of being. So as far as Eliphaz is concerned, even though Job claims that he is pious, that he is righteous, and we'll see the word blameless, blameless used as well, uh, that has little impact on God, they're saying. That's their point. God is far above humans, human actions to be far too above human beings to be influenced by Job's reverent life. That's their point. That's Eliphaz's point. But in verse 3, Eliphaz is being sarcastic. See, that makes this verse a little easier to understand if we realize that Eliphaz is uh, taking words that Job has used and he's using them himself but he's using them sarcastically. Job claims to be blameless, but Eliphaz does not believe Job is righteous or blameless. Why? Because he's being punished. That's his position. He doesn't believe, Eliphaz doesn't believe that Job is righteous or blameless, uh, but he believes that he is unrighteous and he is blameful. Sarcasm is difficult to detect um, unless the context is clearly understood. In this situation, we know that Eliphaz is critical of Job and certainly does not believe that he is righteous. So we have two rhetorical questions, and they both should say no because that's the belief of Eliphaz. Now, a quick summary here. Eliphaz believes that man's goodness is of no benefit to God. In other words, um, God would, get, would, would gain nothing, even if Job were righteous or, or blameful. Now, see, this is what makes it difficult to understand is because Eliphaz is working from a false premise. Secondly, since God is not affected by whether one person is prosperous or another is poor, they must be that way because of their righteousness or lack of it. As he looks at Job, Job must be poor, must be uh, no longer wealthy because he is sinful. <clears throat> Eliphaz simply could not accept the idea that God would be responsible for any deviation from his justice. In other words, he would say that all adversity came from God's just reaction to man's life. Verse 4. Is it because of your fear of him, in other words, your righteous attitude, that he corrects or he reproves you and enters into judgment with you? And, of course, this rhetorical question again is, no, it's not because you're righteous. But see, again, Eliphaz doesn't know. He doesn't know the background of this. Uh, 
Verse 4, is not your uh, wickedness great? Better word there instead of great is many. Uh, He doesn't know what those sins are, although he will name them here in a moment. Uh, what he believes are the sins. So he just takes them to be many. Is not your wickedness many and your iniquity without end? So as far as Eliphaz is concerned, the answer to this question, is your wickedness many? Now we would have a positive answer. Yes. And that is the reason for your... Um, hardship, your adversity. So a quick summary here. Therefore, it was totally unreasonable, uh, Eliphaz is saying, for Job to think that God would rebuke him for being righteous. And how in the world could Job continue to say, I'm righteous, if if all um, appearances are that he's being rebuked? Why would God bring charges against someone who was not guilty? That's what he's saying. Now, remember, God is, uh, God, God is generally not the cause of hardship and, and difficulty, but he always has the solution. The problems in life more often occur because we live in a fallen world and Sin natures abound. We are the ones that cause the problems in our lives more often than not. All right. Now, we're beginning verse, our, our second section here. Uh, Job 22, uh, 6 through 11. And what Eliphaz is going to do is he is going to list phony trumped up, we might say, charges concerning the way that Job uh, gained his great wealth. So um, now we're going to see the judgmental attitude of Eliphaz. Uh, He's going to accuse uh, Job of having greedy exploitations of the poor He's going to say he had lack of hospitality or charity and lack of compassion to the bereaved. We'll see them uh, as the widow and uh, fatherless children. So verse verse 6. For you have taken pledges from your brother. Um, now, that does not necessarily mean it has to be a relative but it's generally considered to be someone in the neighborhood. A neighbor um, can be a, a stranger, um, but here the, the, it is the word for brother. Um, for you have uh, taken you have taken pledges from your brother, your neighbors, for no reason, and stripped the naked and stripped the naked of the, uh, stripped them and stripped them uh, naked of their uh, clothing. So the uh, accusation here is that Job took garments from those who were poorly clothed and leaving them impoverished. Verse 7. You, Job, have been given, uh, you have not given the weary 
another word there would be faint. You have not given the faint water to drink, and you have withheld bread. It doesn't have to be bread. It could probably be wood, um, f- food from the hungry. So um, the accusation from Eliphaz is that uh, Job is simply mean and he is harsh to those who are around him, particularly those who who are in need. Um, verse 8, But the mighty, another word here would be powerful. In other words, someone in a position to uh, take care of themselves uh, and also take care of others. But here the sense is, but the powerful man, the uh, the, the person with influence is another way of understanding this. Uh, but the mighty, the powerful man, possessed the land, and the honorable man dwelt in it. So here in verse 8, the man would be considered to be Job. Job. Uh, an interpretation probably, I think, would be a little better. Although you were a powerful man owning land, uh, an honorable man living on it. Verse 9, you have sent widows away empty. Didn't try to help them. And the strength, uh, the word here for strength, I think a better way to understand that is their ability. So you have sent away uh, widows, you have sent widows away empty. And the ability of fathers was crushed. Uh, instead of helping uh, the fatherless children, uh, maybe uh, youths that are trying to succeed uh, have been crushed. So widows and fatherless are the poor with no means of support. Uh, it was accepted that those with means were to assume the responsibility for their support. Eliphaz says that Job has denied them that support. Let me give you a quick, well, a little bit of a summary here. Eliphaz has no evidence. He appears, sees Job, and he makes these judgments. So Eliphaz, uh, with no evidence indicates that Job for, uh, has uh, committed what we might call social sins. First of all, Job took security from others, meaning uh, his brothers, uh, countrymen, we might say, saying, leaving them naked. Uh, if a debtor gave his outer garment to a creditor, and this is part of the law. If a debtor gave uh, an outer garment to someone, uh, uh, as so as uh, guarantee, that garment was supposed to be returned at night, so he could wrap himself against the cold night. But uh, Eliphaz is saying that Job has not done that. Of course, later Job is going to answer saying that this is a false char- a charge. And I believe that's certainly true. Secondly, 
Job uh, was is being accused of refusing to give water and food to people in need, even though he was a powerful and honorable man uh, who could easily have uh, provided meals on occasions. And uh, this, again, is a false charge because it, it, it never happened. And then finally, the abuse of, of uh, widows and uh, children or orphans, we might say, uh, to uh, abuse them or ignore them, ignore and abuse, almost the same here, would be considered a an atrocious action. Of course, uh, Eliphaz has no evidence of this. Certainly, Eliphaz's theology was wrong when he lied in order to back up his position about Job's conduct. And so Eliphaz here is lying. He has no evidence. Verse 10, Therefore, snares, uh, another word is traps or pitfalls, are all around you, Job, and sudden fear troubles you. So Eliphaz says that Job has... Uh, stumbled into snares, to traps that come to the wicked and uh, because of those they, they fear grips him. Verse 11, or darkness. So sudden darkness, uh, sudden fear comes up upon him or darkness so that you cannot see and an abundance uh, uh abundance or a flood of water covers you all three of these the that is he's describing here is first of all uh, the traps the fear uh, the darkness and the fourth would be the flood so uh, what we have here is that snares terrifying perils darkness and a flood uh according to Eliphaz, are a result of mistreating others. Uh, secondly, such a wicked person, uh, uh, such a wicked person's life is therefore hindered by these snares, um, these traps. Um, and then uh, he faces uh, devastating, uh, catastrophic, Problems such as floods. And we'll see as we go forward that flood is going to reoccur. Uh, Job, of course, was experiencing all these problems, or at least most of them. We don't know that he had a flood. Uh, but certainly not as uh, Eliphaz accuses. So, uh, Job's, as we move to verse 12, we see... Job's attitude towards God. Uh, now Eliphaz uh, attempts to represent God as being spiritually corrupt. Verse 12, Is not God in the height of heaven? And of course, uh, what Eliphaz is going to be saying here is that God is the one who is sovereign. So is not God in the height of heaven and see the highest stars, how lofty they are. So 
Eliphaz reminds Job that God is in the highest heavens, even beyond the stars. Uh, now, as we connect this with verse 13, uh, we'll see that what Eliphaz is saying is that God is sovereign, he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, uh, and he is majesty. There is no one that can compare to him. Verse 13. And you, Job, say, how does God know? Can he judge through the deep darkness? Now, again, this is a rhetorical question. In other words, how can God know what's happening on earth, especially when there is heavy cloud cover? You know, uh, this is... uh, humorous from the standpoint that this is not at all what uh, Job has said, but this is the twisting of what Job has said. Uh, Verse 13 says, and you, Job, say, and I think a better, instead of saying what does God know, it's how does God know? Can he judge through the deep darkness? Verse 14, thick clouds cover or obscure him so that he cannot see and he walks above the circle of heaven. In other words, what Eliphaz is saying that Job is expressing that on cloudy days, God can't see clearly. And while at a distance, he's just too far away. Um, Again, this this has never been expressed this way by Job. Uh, Job has asked for um, the uh, expression of God as to what's happening. But he's never said that God doesn't know what's happening. So our summary here of these uh, three verses, 12, 13, and 14. Once again, Eliphaz stresses God's distance above man. Uh, since God is so majestic in heaven beyond the distant stars, how could Job be so insolent with God, questioning his knowledge and awareness of man and his ability to judge him, since he is separated from God by the clouds? But Eliphaz here is twisting what Job had said. Uh, as a matter of fact, in chapter 21, Let's look at chapter 1. This is uh, the, the comments from Job. Let's look at Job 21, 22. Verse 22, Job, Job says, Can anyone teach God knowledge since he judges those on high? Uh, so this is not what Job said. He didn't say that... Uh, God doesn't know what's happening. Job had said, God does know. And that was the very thing that frustrated Job. Job is frustrated because he knows the life that he was living. Job had not said, God cannot see man. In fact, he affirmed just the opposite. Verse 15. Verse 15. Will you... Again, this is Eliphaz talking. Will you, Job, keep to the old way which wicked men have trod? Verse 16, who, wicked men, 
were cut down, were carried away before their time, whose foundations were swept away by a flood. The word here for flood is through a, a current, something happening. And uh, this passage says, these wicked men were carried off before the normal life expectancy. Verse 17. They, wicked, said to God, depart from us. What can the Almighty do to them? Now, as we read this, we see verses 15, uh, 16, and 17, and even verse 18, all sort of linked together, but particularly verses 15, uh, verses 15, 16, and 17 are linked. So let me read them again. Will you, Job, keep to the old ways which wicked men have trod? Now, um, the passage doesn't tell us who these wicked men are or what path they, uh, they trod, they walked. But the sense here is possibly those wicked men who caused the flood. Uh, verse 16, who, these wicked men, were carried away, I think it's a better translation, were carried away before their time. Again, before uh, the end of their normal life expectancy, whose foundations were swept away by, and let's just use the word flood, by a flood. Verse 17, they, the wicked, had said to God, depart from us. What can the Almighty do to them? Now, uh, the quote may be simply, depart from us. That's very, very likely what the wicked prior to the flood had said. The next question uh, may be Eliphaz's stating their attitude. In other words, uh, they or they may have said that themselves, but I think Eliphaz is saying, what can the Almighty do to them? That was their attitude. Verse 18, yet, or maybe a better word for us would be, but he, God, filled their houses with good things. In other words, God had prospered them. Uh, and then Eliphaz and he may have said this uh, sarcastically, uh, and I, I separate uh, the first part of verse 18 from the last part, but the counsel, the plans, the designs of the wicked is far from me, is something that uh, Eliphaz would say. So the second statement is Eliphaz denying that he would think like the wicked, uh, but more likely this is sarcasm, taunting what Joab had said. Remember in 21, let's, let's look at chapter 21 again, and let's look at verse 16. This is something that, uh, jo- Job had said. Uh, again, this is Job 21, 15. As a matter of fact, we read verse 15 
and 16, we see that uh, Eliphaz is uh, using sarcasm and he's repeating certain things that Jabe, uh, Job, Job has said, verse 15. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we have if we pray to him? Verse 16. Indeed, their prosperity is not in their tents. And here is our phrase. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. Joab is saying um, in retaliation to Zophar that um, he doesn't he doesn't know what the wicked are thinking. And he's saying that the uh, that Job does not. Uh, follow the designs, the plan, the counsel is the word that most uh, versions, most tr- translations use. But the counsel of the the wicked is far from me. I think he uh, he uses that uh, almost as uh, a taunting way with uh, jo- Job. Let's move on to verse 19. Verse 19. The righteous see it. And I think this is the destruction of the wicked. Uh, Eliphaz is going to move back towards the criticism of Job as being wicked. The righteous see it. The destruction of the wicked and are glad. And the innocent or the blameless laugh at them. Uh, Job says he is blameless, but uh, he's not laughing. Who Who is laughing? If anyone is laughing, laughing, it's his friends. So Eliphaz says that the righteous rejoice when the wicked are destroyed. In this situation, Eliphaz is being harsh towards Job, if this is a friend, he's being very mean towards him. Uh, so he's being harsh towards Job by saying his friends are rejoicing towards Job and his calamities. Verse 20. Surely our adversities uh, are cut down. Our adversity, our ad, uh, adverse, adversary, our opponents uh, surely our adversaries are cut down, are destroyed, and the fire consumes their remnant. And I think the word for remnant here is possessions, their wealth. So Eliphaz says the wicked are destroyed by their pos- uh, and their possessions are consumed by fire. Well, who would that be? That would be Job. Uh, a quick summary. When sinners come to their ruin, Eliphaz says, then righteous people rejoice that justice is done. Secondly, Job said that they would mock him. So now Eliphaz says that he would gladly mock the wicked and those uh, who uh, have had their uh, possessions destroyed. Eliphaz, at first, uh, was courteous, but now he is unbelievably vicious towards his friend. Um, And 
the accusation is that he's wicked and the destruction of his life deserves rejoicing by others. And now our last uh, part here, uh, our fourth section, Eliphaz's appeal for Job to repent, uh, verses 21 through 30. So Eliphaz presents a list. This is a, 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 we could really fly through this fairly quickly. Uh, Eliphaz presents a list that Job must accomplish, uh, uh, that Job must accomplish. In other words, these are the solutions that Eliphaz believes needs to, to occur. Um, if Job wants to return to uh, God's graces. Verse 21. Now, acquaint, not really the word we want here. I think reconcile uh, or even submit. So verse 21, and I'm going to use reconcile. Now reconcile yourself with him, with God, and be at peace. <clears throat> Thereby, good will come to you. So Eliphaz here says to Job, that he should reconcile himself, submit himself to God instead of defying God. Uh, if he did, then he would be making peace. He would return to harmony with God. We might say return to fellowship with God. The word good here means a return to health, to position, to wealth and pleasure. Verse 22, receive, please, instruction from his mouth, meaning from God, and lay up his words in your heart. Um, the word here for instruction is the word Torah. Now, we don't have the Torah yet. So, uh, the instructions uh, is, is training is another one, instruction or training from God. And in this case, uh, probably Eliphaz is saying, uh, uh, referring to himself. He is pro providing for Job um, the uh, the principles that God wants Job to hear. Uh, verse twenty-three. Uh, by the way, there is another um, possibility here. Please receive instruction from uh, God's mouth. Uh, in those days, um, before we had the law, uh, God appeared to individuals, dreams, visions, uh, through prophets. And so it's possible that this is uh, uh, the sense of uh, verse 21 there, or in verse 22 as well. Verse 23. If you return, uh, the Hebrew word shuv is, can also be translated repent. If you repent to the Almighty, return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will be restored. You will receive, you will remove iniquity far from your tents. Uh, tents here means that there is, uh, uh, this is where, this is his life or his conduct. So, uh, if you repent, if you acknowledge your sins, uh, and that's what 
the, his three friends of trying to get Job to do, then he'll be restored. Uh, and you will remove iniquity from your life, from your conduct. Verse 24. Then you will lay your, your gold in the dust. And the gold of Omphir, Omphir, among the stones of the brooks, um, the gold in the dust and gold here, uh, has, is the sense of, of, of possessions. So Eliphaz tells Job to place God ahead of his possessions. Of course, Job has lost all of his possessions. But, uh, according to Eliphaz, probably, that once he has repented and changed his attitude, God would restore his former possessions, uh, his former position. Verse 25, Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. In other words, uh, trusting in God uh, is the priority and not your possessions. For when you have... For then you will have your delight in the Almighty, in God, and lift up your face to God. Uh, lifting up of the face here is the restoration of fellowship and favor with God. Uh, this is, you know, as, as you read this, you might say, this sounds like uh, wonderful advice, but it's haughty and uh, it's a shot in the dark we might say. Uh, Eliphaz doesn't know uh, that this is what Job needs to do. Uh, he's, uh, what Job needs to do is to continue to trust in God. Um, in fact, Job does not need to repent because of his wickedness. He is not a wicked, a wicked individual. Verse 27 you will make your prayers to him. He will hear you, and you will pay your vows. Um, again, this is confession. Uh, verse 27, uh, the pay your vows means to maintain uh, a pledge or a commitment. Um, for us, it might be a commitment in a particular way. Uh, saving, giving, um, or worship, and in the worship, uh, maybe prayer, uh, commitment to reading the Bible, and then keeping it is, I think, the sense uh, to us. 28. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. In other words, what Eliphaz is saying is if you devote yourself to God in a particular way, uh, then God will bless you. All of this sounds great, again. But Eliphaz is not only uh, wrong, but he's complete out in, well, baseball term. He's out in left field, meaning he's he's dopey here because this is not what... Uh, Job needs to do. If Job were wicked, this would be valuable advice. For Job, it's an insult. What Job needs to hear from Eliphaz is encouragement, not disapproval and uh, criticism. Verse 29 and 20 and 30. 
When they cast you down or bring you low and you say, exultation will come. Uh, Exultation here may not be the best translation for us. I think be encouraged, uh, be lifted up is probably uh, the way other translations um, use, uh, use this. When they cast you down, when they bring you low and you say, be encouraged, uh, be lifted up, then he, God, will save or will deliver the humble person, the person who is saying to be encouraged. Verse 30, he, God will even deliver you, Job, who is, uh, who is not innocent. In other words, this is Job saying, or uh, Eliphaz saying that he is uh, not blameless. He's not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered by the cleanse, uh, cleanness of your hands, the purity of your hands, uh, to be delivered by the righteousness of his life. Uh, so Eliphaz uh, brings his third speech, and this will be the third one. It's the last one we're going to hear from Eliphaz. But uh, he says that uh, if your hands, your activities, your life are uh, pure, are they clean, then you will be delivered. But he's uh, inferring and even stating that Job is not blameless and he's not innocent. So the last point here, uh, this in, uh, the statements of Job being uh, not blameless, of being wicked, uh, how could Eliphaz prove that Job trusted in his material things? Uh, there's no way for him to know that. In fact, um, at this point, uh, Job has no possessions at all. They're gone. He says if Job could meet those conditions that he has laid out, uh, which Eliphaz proposes, God would then restore him and give him those blessings. Well, there's no way for Eliphaz to know that. Uh, Eliphaz is not uh, a prophet. And the problem that we have here with Eliphaz is that he, the only, the principle that drives him is if you are righteous, you'll be blessed. If you're wicked, you'll be punished, but punished or, um, uh, disciplined. But we, we see many, uh, uh, people who are wicked who still have prosperity. And we know that there are those who are righteous and those who um, who endure uh, difficulties, adversity. Um, they are righteous. As a matter of fact, we know that uh, James tells us that uh, we should, when we encounter difficulties, adversities, trials, we should count it all joy. Why? Because God has the, the solution to the problems that we have. We must trust him. Next week, when we come back, we will move on to chapter uh, chapter 23 as Job 
responds. And we have a rather short uh, chapter, uh, chapter 23, and what I hope to do is not only uh, address that chapter, but also what I would like to do is return to to the doctrine of suffering. We started it. We simply uh, ran out of time. Uh, so hopefully next week we'll return to the doctrine of suffering or enduring. There it is. All right. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful uh, that you are sovereign, that you are righteous and justice, that we do not need to guess about um, how someone else is living their life. Um, but we do know that the solutions, whether we are righteous uh, or um, we are, as the translations in our Bible here, whether we are uh, whether we are righteous or whether we are wicked or we might just say sinful, uh, that you provide the solutions for us. First of all, having a relationship with you, uh, we know that that relationship is based upon our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, his work on the cross. And in order to have eternal life, to have a relationship with you and through him, it's simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and his work on the cross. That's what the Apostle Paul told the Philippian uh, jailer when he says, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Father, we're thankful that uh, it is then that we have a relationship with you, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and also God, uh, God, uh, uh, God the Holy Spirit. And it's through God the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives that he will convict us and he will also assist us as the paraclete, Father. We ask for your blessing upon us and upon our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.